What brought you here today? If you're a small-term thinker, you probably thought, I woke up. I got up and I showered. I hope that you showered or at least bathed. And you, you got dressed. Well done. It looks like everyone did that today. And you came and you arrived here. Maybe you're a little bit deeper of a thinker and you thought, well, my great-grandparents, they came from England on a boat you know, back in the, back in the 50s. Oh, you may work it out. Yes, we came from South Africa. Uh, there may be one or two South Africans here. Whatever the circumstances, do you think back, what is it that brought you to where you are right now? And if you stop and think about it, that's absolutely incredible. I sat down with my own family and began thinking through the process. How did my family end up in Dayelop as a suburb? How do we end up in Western Australia as a state? How do we end up in Australia as a country? How do we end up on this earth? If you've been thinking about it, then if you can't sleep at night, think through that and you'll, you'll be asleep in no time. It's incredible. And something that's incredibly honoring is to think that God, the creator of the universe, put all these things in place so that quite literally you could be where you are today. And we stop and go, wow, God, that's great. There's a follow-up to this. Why, God? Why did you allow all these things, sometimes good, sometimes bad, bring me to where I am today? For what purpose? For what plan? I believe that's a very powerful question to ask God. But it's not just a matter of asking God the question of why. It's stopping and listening for the reason. What did you do? How did you formulate these things? What gifts and abilities, what opportunities have you given to me? I believe that God has given you just enough talent, just enough intellect, just enough money, and just enough influence around you to fulfill His plan and purpose in your life. It's a matter for us to use those gifts, those opportunities, the finances that He's given to us for His honor and His glory. When I was in Bible college, I left Australia at 19, went to the U.S. to go to Bible college. Four years later, uh, I graduated. I had a piece of paper. It's amazing. You graduate. And I know we have some, some students from YWAM, and you'll do this. In two weeks' time, when you're ready to go to Africa, you'll think you know everything, and then you'll get there, and you'll go, uh-oh. <laughs> and I did the same thing. I thought, I know. And believe me, I wasn't thinking of you when I put this in my notes. I... I know these things. I'm excited. I can't wait. And then you go out and begin serving and you stop and go, oh, I can't do this by myself, God. I need you. And that's exactly the position we're supposed to be in is turning back to him because he's given us a plan. He's given us a purpose. He's given you just enough resources, just enough time, just enough ability to fulfill his plan. It's not like God made you and goes, whoops, I didn't mean to do that. Our principle for today is this. And every single Sunday, we have a principle that you can apply to your life. And I hope it's a tool that you can use to help grow in your life to become closer to God and His plan for you. It says this, and it's pretty simple. I must open my mouth and share the good news of Jesus with others. Today, I believe that every Christian here today can preach. That's simply a word that means to proclaim God's word by simply, and here's a big thing, opening your mouth. 
Last week, I had a really big statement. I said, if you open your eyes, you can see. It's amazing. Now, we're going to be able to share God's love by opening our mouth. Now, that's not just simply opening our mouth. We're going to be a little bit broader. It's by the actions that you do. Sometimes it's by, you know, we can even use Facebook and all the other things that we have in order to share the God. But basically, the, the, the thought is we have to actually be active. You have to move forward. In this series, we've been developing three keys for sharing your faith. And that's been the, the theme of our, our message series is share. There's three keys. First of all was to open your heart. You cannot share something that you don't have not experienced yourself. Thank God that God loves us and cares for us. And we receive God's free gift of grace by faith into our hearts. We now have, the Bible says, real life, eternal life, not just for now, but for all eternity. We also, from that, we must open our eyes. Last Sunday, we looked at um, Jesus with the woman at the well, which is in John chapter number 4. And he told his disciples, he was sitting on a well, and I believe the people from the town of Sychar were walking towards him. And I think he put his finger up and he looked specifically at that town and said, look, the fields are white for harvest. And he was telling his disciples to look and see people the way that he saw them, for the potential that they had in them for the opportunities, for the fact that every single person on earth was created for the glory of God. And sometimes we go through, just like the disciples had done that day, going through life focused upon the tasks that we have at hand and forgetting all the opportunities that God has opened up to us. And building on that, not just opening our hearts and opening our eyes, and now we come to opening our mouth. Eventually, we're going to get to Romans chapter number 10. Before we do that, turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, the very end of the book of Matthew. I've used this passage many times. Matthew chapter number 28, verses 19 through 20. We see in this passage the command. The command is the why. We're going to look at the personal barriers, the who. And also the third we're going to look at today is the plan is the how. Now, I was trying to think of a real clever way to share this with you so that you'd remember it. And you know the most clever thing I can come up with? I want you to say this because it's kind of fun to say. Why, who, how? Can you say it fast? Why, who, how? It's fun to say, but it's also, I want you to remember this. It's all well and good that you come to church, but if you don't leave with something, so you're going to think, what's that weird word that he said? Why, who, how? Why, who, how? So the first one is the command, is the why. If you found Matthew chapter 28, this is Jesus at the very end of his ministry here on earth. He's already died on the cross. He's risen from the dead. He's been sharing with his disciples, and he's now giving them what's commonly referred to as the Great Commission. Go out and tell the, the good news of the gospel. And he says this, specifically to his disciples, to the local church, but I also believe the local church is made up of individuals. So every single one of us needs to take this on board and say, what is the good news that we can share? It says there, go therefore and make disciples. Disciples are simply followers of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. 
And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He gives four things there. He says, go, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them. And the last part after teach, it doesn't say teach them to be followers of a church. Although I believe a, a good, true, Bible-believing local church will do the right thing and point people in the right direction. Which What does it say there? All that I have commanded you. We're to point people straight back to the, to the teachings of Jesus. What has Jesus taught us to do? If he's taught us to do it, therefore we need to go out and live that out. Another passage that Jesus shared with his disciples is in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. It, these, first of all, these two verses are great verses to memorize because it gives us our purpose. It quite literally, these are our purpose statements, why we do what we do. It says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That is quite literally saying you're going to be local, you're going to be state, you're going to be national, and the ends of the earth, you're going to be international. These disciples that heard this message, if you continue on reading through the book of Acts, which is an exciting book to read, you get to chapter number 17, and by chapter 17, these disciples were being accused. They were being beaten and accused of doing something. They were being accused of turning the world upside down. I remember as a 16-year-old reading that passage in Acts 17 and seeing how the disciples were turning the world upside down for Jesus Christ. And I remember thinking so clearly and thinking to myself, that's what I want to do. I want to be someone that turns the world upside down. You know, if you are the same way, if you want to be someone that actually does something for Jesus, we have to go back and share his message. And the command of the why goes back into 1 Peter chapter number 3, verse 15. And it gives us a command. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. We are to share Jesus with gentleness and respect. Jesus didn't have an easy life. He didn't have an easy ministry where everyone welcomed him in. Everyone said, I see you. I want to worship you. I want to give you the honor and the praise that you deserve. In fact, in John chapter 1, verse 11, it says, He came into his own, and his own people did not receive him. He was rejected by his own people. And it's not bad enough being rejected by people that don't already like you. But being rejected by your own people in your own society, in your own culture, is tough. And that's exactly what Jesus did. That's the message that we have. And ultimately, the message of the command and the why we do what we do is because Jesus, as he says in John chapter 14 and verse 6, he says unto them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, this is something that may be very commonplace for you. You may have heard the fact that we're to go out and share the good news of Jesus around the world. Some people, it's exciting and you feel called to go to distant places. Other people, it's hard and scary to even talk to the person that lives next door to you about your faith in Jesus Christ. 
And in order to open our mouths, we must first of all accept the commission, accept the command that God has given to us. Understand the why. Then we can move on and begin to address some of the barriers, some of the personal barriers. It's the who. Now, this is by no means an exhaustive list, but I want you to go to Romans chapter number 10. And in the book of Romans, Paul is, the apostle Paul is writing to a real church in a real place called Rome. It was a multicultural community. People from Jerusalem and Israel have been scattered because of persecution throughout the known world, and they arrived in Rome. The church in Rome had begun, and he was writing and instructing them. And if you begin reading the book of Romans, first of all, it's a great book to read, full of theology, particularly theology of salvation. And it begins with the problem of the first several chapters. He lays out the charges. The apostle Paul, by training, was a lawyer. He knew the law, and he laid out the charges. We are sinful. We've done wrong. We're not righteous. And then, thank God he doesn't finish there, then he transitions and gives us the good news that is Jesus Christ. And then he transitions again, and in chapter 6, he begins changing and giving us the now what? How are we supposed to live? Because it's all well and good to know that you are a sinner. That doesn't help you very much. And then he goes on and gives you the good news of Jesus Christ. And now we're celebrating the fact that we know Jesus Christ as our Savior. And then he transitions and he says, now this is how you're supposed to live life. Chapters 9, 10, and 11, he transitions a little bit. And he takes a little digression. He begins writing about Jewish people and about their responses to the, the wonderful grace of God. And so this passage in chapter 10 is specifically written about Jewish people, but I can see the resemblance between the Jewish response to the good news of Jesus Christ and the response that we often receive today from people. And the personal barriers, there's four that we see in this passage, in the first four verses. So follow along with me. We'll begin reading in the first one, which is the first excuse, the first barrier we see is, I don't see a need for salvation. People in Israel, the Jewish people, did not see a need for the Savior. And Paul begins with a positive statement of saying, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. It's not that we'll be able to tell them the news that they're begging us to give them. It's that I just want them to have a desire. You ever talk with people that have no idea that they're lost? Maybe in a, in a practical sense, maybe you've been like that in the car. You've been driving down the road, and you have no idea that you are lost. After Bible college, I, my wife and I were married, and we had an opportunity to travel a great deal, zigzagging across the U.S., and I preached in a bunch of churches. And one of the times, and I've told the story in the past, but it's a good story. We were in West Texas, and if you know anything about West Texas in the U.S., it's much like the wheat belt flat and has its own unique beauty. <laughs> it's ugly. And you drive along. You can drive along on the, on the one particular road for a long time, and there's very little cross highways. And I was driving along, not paying attention to the way I was going, and I missed my turn off, and I kept driving and driving and driving. And you know what's interesting? I was happy along the way. I thought, we're making really good time, Tammy. 
the kids are all good in the back, and we're driving along, and then I begin to realize later on that I, hmm, I should have been turning by now. We've gone far too many kilometers or miles in the U.S. We should have been turning by now. Not knowing that I was lost. Ignorance is bliss. We're making good time. I have no idea where we're going, but we're making really good time doing it. That's been a similar way with many people in our world. They've never been presented with the truth. They've never, been, they've never heard the, the truth of the Word of God to the point where they actually see a need for salvation. I'm doing just fine the way I am. I'll just keep going down this path. And maybe our prayer for them is much like the Apostles Paul prayer. It, prayer when he says, I pray in my heart's desires that they, will, may, they may be saved. I want them to experience, and I want them to know the truth. The second barrier we see there is people often say this, and the Jewish people certainly did, I have my own religion. I've spoken with a number of people. I've, I've, I've interacted with them, and they've said, I'm very glad for you that you have Jesus, but I have my own religion. And I don't always understand what that means, so often I, I try to ask follow-up questions so we don't just stop the conversation right then and there. Well, as it says in verse number 2, For I bear witness they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. They have a religion. They're following a practice. There are billions of people in our world that are worshiping something other than Jesus Christ and the God, the creator of the universe. People are very sincere about their religions. There's some people that give far more than what you and I give for their religion, but it's not the relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And what we are offering to people is not religion. I see religion as a set of rules. You follow these rules, and then as long as you look okay, then you must be okay. What we find in the Word of God, Jesus gives us relationship. That's why we can call God the creator of the universe. The Bible says we can call him Father. Dad, we have a close, intimate relationship. It's not a set of rules to follow. Thank God it's not a set of rules because none of us could live up to it. In fact, Jesus himself, when he was teaching his disciples on the Mount of Olives, known as the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, he goes back and he addresses this with his disciples. And he says in verse number 20, it's on the screen for you to follow. He says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. The scribes were people, their entire job was to take a quill with parchment and write out the scripture. That's what they would do, and they were incredibly focused. In fact, when they would come upon the word Jehovah, which is the, the God, the creator of the universe God, the, the all-sufficient God, they would ceremonially put down their quill, and they would go and ceremoniously wash themselves. Then they would go back and write that word out. They were incredibly sincere. They knew the word of God. They would have it memorized. The next one down is the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the religious rulers. They knew the law inside out. They would have had it all memorized. You cannot stump them. They would take the law of God, and then they would say to themselves, I see the Ten Commandments, but what does it mean to not work on the Sabbath day. And they begin to think, well, how many steps equals work? And they go out, and they had over 600 laws to explain God's Ten Commandments. 
and it became an oppressive to them to the point where they became incredibly proud. Aren't I good that I keep not just those laws, I keep the extra laws. I tithe not just on what God commands, I tithe on the little things. Aren't I good? And of course, Jesus doesn't have very many kind words to say for these religious leaders that had no relationship with God because they were full of pride. In fact, he calls them the way the King James Bible calls them, whitened sepulchers. It's kind of a nice way to say, you are a whitewashed, clean tomb full of dead bones and rotting flesh inside of you. It's kind of gross. Whitened sepulchers is a much nicer way of saying it, but you're, you're stinky bones. And Jesus says to them in Matthew 5.20, unless you're even better than them, which they are way up here as far as the good versus bad, which is nowhere found in Scripture, you will not receive the kingdom of heaven. The third barrier we see here is the I'm okay just the way I am. Verse number three says, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. This is basically saying, I'm okay just the way I am. If you look hard enough, and some of you may have to look really hard, but if you look hard enough, you will always find someone that you can think of them as worse than you. It's a typical child response. If you catch your child doing something wrong, the first thing, my, my kids do the same thing. But, but dad, and they, they mention the other child's name, and they say, they did it too. And if, you, if they're really good, they'll find someone that did it worse than them. In a similar way, we really haven't changed all that much as a society. We think about ourselves, and if you speak to someone, they think, well, of course I'm going to heaven. Like, I've had a person tell me, and it was 100% sincere. Of course I'm going to heaven. I, I didn't, I've never murdered anybody. I'm glad that you haven't murdered anybody, but that's not the requirement to get to heaven or not to get to heaven. And this man was 100% sincere. The fact that, well, I'm not as bad as that guy, so I must be okay. It says they're being ignorant. It's not stupid. That just means that you don't know. And people often don't know, so therefore they think to themselves that it's acceptable that as long as I'm not as bad as that person, and maybe you're thinking of that person right now. Stop it. You can think, oh, and then I'm okay. The fourth is, and this is really where we want to see people, but not to see them remain, but this is where we're going to find people so that we can lead them to the truth. The fourth Barrier is, I don't know the truth. And Paul begins to address the truth. And he goes back again in verse number 4, and we'll also read verse number 13. It says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. See, previous to this, the Jewish people would follow the law. They'd follow the Old Testament laws. They would do the sacrifices, and they would follow all of these laws to the best of their ability and not really caring about anything on the inside. And their thoughts were, as long as I look okay, then I must be okay. Jesus comes along and he puts an end to the law for righteousness. It's not a matter of following the law to be in a right standing before God. And in verse 13 it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's an exciting position to be in. 
back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus says this, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, and here's the key, but to fulfill them. It's all well and good to know that you don't know. There's lots of things that I know that I don't know. Like I'm not going to perform surgery on any of you. There's certain things um, mechanically with a car that I can do, and there's a whole a lot more things that I will not do because I don't know. The difference is when you now know, then you can begin to act upon it. With our relationship with God, there's a lot of people that just don't know the truth. They've never heard the fact that God loves them and cares for them. They've never been given an opportunity to hear the name of Jesus. There's a story told by our, our missionary, Jeremy and Liz Pinero. They're missionaries in Vanuatu. And they've told the story before, and I'm going to recount their story. Jeremy's dad was also a missionary in Vanuatu. And he led this chief to Jesus Christ. And this man, the whole village began to change, and tremendous things were happening in Vanuatu and amongst the people on the, the islands. Absolutely incredible things. And this man heard about the truth. He accepted Jesus Christ as a Savior, understood the consequences of his sins, and he stopped for a moment. And he looked up at Jeremy's dad. His name is Philip. And he said, Philip, according to the Word of God, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're eternally separated from Him. I believe just as much as in a place called heaven as unfortunately there's a place called hell. Eternal separation from God. And the, and the Bible describes a horrible place. And this man who'd never been to school, he'd never been on an airplane, probably never seen TV, none of these things process the fact that if I don't know Jesus Christ as my Savior, I will be eternally separated. And he began thinking of his own family. And he thought of his father. And he says, my father did not know Jesus. And he looked at Philip and said, why did your dad not come and tell my dad? And of course, that's a very powerful, impactful story. And Jeremy tells it now as a son, the second generation along, because I'm here telling the next generation about Jesus. People that don't know still have to face the consequences for not knowing. And simply acknowledging that you don't know something is just the beginning point. One of the saddest passages in the Bible is in John chapter number 18. It's Jesus before he goes to the cross, is standing before Pilate, the governor of Jerusalem. And he's standing there before Pilate, and Pilate is, is talking with Jesus, and Jesus is interacting with him, and he tells him this in John chapter number 18, verses 37 and 38. Jesus says this, For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. In other words, the whole reason why I've come, Jesus says, is to tell people the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate, standing before Jesus Christ, before he goes to the cross, the Savior of the world, he's standing there and he just heard Jesus say, those who are of the truth will listen to me. What is Pilate's response? And this is the saddest, I believe, one of the saddest verses in the Bible. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And then he gets up and he walks out of the room. 
There's nowhere in the Bible where it gives us any, any indication that Pilate came to know Jesus Christ as his Savior later on. He was right there before the truth. He was in face-to-face with the truth, and he leaves asking the question, what is truth? That impacts me personally, not just as a pastor, but as a, a believer in Jesus Christ, that I have a command of God to go into all the world, that's including my neighbors, that's including the people I like, and even those who I don't like, to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. We're commanded to be ready always to give an answer of the hope that lies within us. We're, to, we're told by Jesus Christ to simply share Jesus with people, share the truth of the cross with, with the people that are seeking the truth. And the third point we have this morning is the how. We have the who, we have the why, who, how. Remember? Why, who, how? The third is the plan. The plan is the how. Paul continues on in this passage in the book of Romans. And he talks about the different barriers to the sharing the love of Jesus Christ with people. And then we come to verse number 14 through 17. And Paul here is talking backwards. Let's read this passage, and I'll go through and explain this briefly to you, and then we'll make some application for you and for me. It says in verse number 14, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Remember the word preaching is simply proclaiming. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. He's actually speaking here a little bit backwards. He's starting with the goal. The goal is, as it says in verse number 14, go back to the previous slide, verse 14, it says, how will they call on him? The goal is that people will call out to God by faith. That's the goal. But how are they to call unless they hear? Well, how are they to hear unless somebody actually opens their mouth and it says their preaches? I like the fact that it says how beautiful are the feet. If you want beautiful feet, share the good news. And then ultimately it says, how are, the, how are they unless somebody is sent? So we go from being sent to preaching to hearing to calling. It's a simple outline. Boom, boom, boom. It lays it out right there. So therefore, in this passage, we see the fact that we are sent by God. It's God who does the sending. We see that consistently through Scripture. The fact that when God works in our hearts, He opens the doors. We don't have to be the ones knocking down and kicking down the doors to try to share the gospel. We're simply to obey and listen to God. In the book of Acts, chapter 13, Paul, Saul it says there, but he later became Paul, the man who wrote the book of Romans and a man named Barnabas, were sent out by the Holy Spirit to go and preach the good news. He's the one that does the sending. I believe for every single one of us where we are today, if I could point at every single one of you today, he has given you an opportunity and an an obligation to share the good news of Jesus Christ because he's the one doing the sending. 
The second one is, what are we to do? We're simply to proclaim Jesus. The verse that I read earlier from John chapter number 14, this is a definitive statement made by Jesus. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father, what, except through me. That's the only way to Jesus Christ. So the message we should give people, I I 100% believe that we need to be kind to people. I 100% believe that we need to do things that are humanitarian in nature, feed the hungry, help the hurting, come alongside people in practical ways. Sometimes I have found something, like I like, and I invite people to coffee all the time, and I enjoy taking people to coffee, but coffee is just the means to a positive end of getting to know people. And as you get to know people, the goal isn't just to drink coffee. The goal is to, to find what God's doing in their life, and if they're looking for truth, present the truth to them. It's not simply, well, that was nice talking about the weather for an hour, and then you leave. You, you use the opportunities that God has given to you to proclaim Jesus because it only comes through faith. Because that's exactly how people have to come to know Jesus Christ as a Savior, is called by faith. As it says in verse number 17 of, of Romans 10, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. There's a number of different tools that we can use as outlines. To be honest with you, when I'm standing or sitting before somebody, this is what I pray. God, please give me the words to say. Please re- bring to my mind the scriptures that I need to share. But you know, I need cheat sheets. And maybe you do too. There's apps you can download. There's one app that we shared a couple weeks ago called Share Your Faith, which breaks down it will read it to you if you have a hard time reading it'll give you the scriptures there and it's just a visual aid that you can share with somebody as you share your faith another one is commonly referred to as the romans road now simply i believe dumping scripture on people and saying go deal with it isn't always helpful but if you can walk through this with people sharing what god has done in your life it's incredibly helpful and very powerful let me give you a little hint open your bibles if you have a real Bible called paper, and you open it up to Book of Romans, just to the first, first Romans. On the very beginning of Romans, if you have a pen, write this verse down. It's the problem. Write 323, 3.23, and this is the key. When you have an opportunity to present the gospel with someone, you go, I don't know what to do. Open up your Bibles. If you can at least remember Romans, you can remember, oh, go to 3.23. And then you go to 3.23, which says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's the problem. And then share with people who you were before Jesus Christ. The fact that we're all sinners. We've all done wrong. Then at, at chapter 3, verse 23, somewhere on that page where it's obvious, you can write down 5.12, which is, deals with the consequences, which says, Therefore, sin came into the world through one man. That's Adam. And we're all sinners because of that. And death through sin, so that death spread to all men because all sinned. And then go from there, right on on Romans 5.12, right on the page, Romans 6.23, somewhere on the 6.23 page. I found this to be really helpful. I promise I actually use this myself. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Those two verses are the consequences of our sin. 
But thank God we don't just stay there. We continue on with the solution. And on the 623, you write 5.8, Romans 5.8, which says, but God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the solution, the fact that Jesus Christ came. And you don't just say, okay, there you go. You can share with you, what has Jesus Christ, how did he die on the cross? And talk about it. Use this as an outline. And then we have the response. And go to Romans 10. In Romans 10, we see the response. And you write that verse down, Romans 10, 9, and 10, where it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, he gives you a definitive statement, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And the final is an act of assurance, which is verse number 13 of that same passage where it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The reason why I like to use that as an outline, and to be honest with you, I've memorized all of those verses. So I don't always have to get my Bible out, but I think it's important to be able to let people read it and see it for themselves. That's not just your opinion you're sharing with people. You can share with them the very words of God. The Bible describes itself as a sword, being quick and powerful. It's the thing that gets into our hearts, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, it works in people's lives, transforming them from what they were into who and what God has for them in the future. I hope that's a tool for you. If you don't have a tool, find a tool that you can use as an outline. Because if you're anything like me, when the time comes to share your faith with people, all of the distractions come and you begin to become muddled. And I like to follow a systematic outline. Our principle again for today is this. I must open my mouth and share the good news of Jesus with others. We have the the why, because we have the command of God. We have the who, those are the people that are seeking truth. And the third is the how, is simply being sent by God and sharing Jesus Christ with others. I have three questions for you. I'm going to walk through these one at a time, and then we'll close in prayer. And I hope today's been an encouragement for you. I hope also today's maybe been a challenge for you, that you can use this as a tool to move forward and see people the way that God sees them. The first question is this. And here's a question I want you to mull over in your own personal mind. Do you believe that God has called you to open your mouth and share Jesus? Do you believe that God has a purpose for you here on earth? Do you believe that he didn't create you by mistake? And if the answer is yes, then we can move on to the next, which is who has God brought into your life that needs Jesus? It's dangerous to put off what God has given to us as an opportunity today. The opportunities that God has presented and given you today are for today. You can't say, well, next week I'll do that for you, God, because the opportunity may have been missed. When God opens up an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus, take those opportunities because that may be exactly when he's working. And also with that, the third is, will you ask God to give you an opportunity to share Jesus? Maybe the second question, you're still mulling around. I don't know who he wants me to share Jesus with. Maybe that's a prayer you can have also. God, will you make me sensitive? Will you allow someone to come into my life that comes to my mind right now that I can pray for? And when he gives you the opportunities, take those opportunities. Let's pray together. 
Lord, you've given us an incredible task to go into all the world and to share your love with others. Lord, we don't do it because it makes us look good. We do it because you've commanded us to do it. Lord, we love you. We want to be used by you. We want to do things for your honor and your glory as a church, but also as individuals. And Lord, I pray that we as individuals, as we go out this week, we'll open our mouths. We'll see people the way that you see them because of the wonderful things that you've done in our hearts. So we get the, sh the honor of sharing with others. And in Jesus' name, amen.